0: Support the Dope Radio was designed to give a platform to the best, most talented, and dopest music creators, enhancers, and magic makers to tell their own stories in their own words. The guests on the show are well documented as integral parts of the success of your favorite artists and songs. I'm your host, Carla D. Brown, and I'm pulling back the curtain to bring them center stage under their very own spotlight. Let's go. Okay. See me. I've been gone too long, coming back to strong. And you better be, I got a brand new song. I take the best you know and put them on the show. I'm on a mission to support the dope. So get your hands up high, wave them in the sky. You gotta keep it locked, I'ma tell you why. The best in the game, remember the name. Ask me again, I'ma tell you the same. The same. Support the dope. If you a real one. Support the dope. If you a dangerous. Support the dope, support the dope, hey. Everybody, it's your girl CB. It's another episode of Support the Dope Radio, and I'm back with another guest on, uh, that I'm really excited to have on the show. Um, I've been waiting for the one-on-one, and we finally here, and... I don't normally do this, but I'm actually going to read the actual bio because I don't want to miss anything. So I'm actually going to read this word for word so that we can get all this covered in a little bit of time because he's a busy man. He's on a schedule. We want to respect his time. But bio says, I'm not going to say his name, but you can figure it out. Bio says he's a music visionary, executive and leading producer of R&B, gospel and hip hop music. Grammy Award-winning body of work includes projects with global icons from Mary Mary, Kanye West, Yolanda Adams, Jennifer Hudson, Stevie Wonder, and MC Light. Prior to starting his entertainment company, My Block Inc., his business repertoire includes serving as vice president of A&R for Elektra Records. He's the pastor of California Worship Center in San Fernando, California. He is the proud husband of Erica Campbell for 22 years and father to their three children, Krista, Warren III, and Zaya. So if you haven't figured it out yet, allow me to introduce to you. Pastor. Singer, songwriter, musician, (laughs) mega producer. Warren Campbell on the show, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm so excited to have you. Welcome, welcome,
1: welcome. Thank Absolutely. You so good. Who wrote that bio? That's pretty cool. Right.
0: They're gonna get a raise. Whoever that is,
1: we're gonna We'll not find out who it is.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we we can do that. We'll find out who that is. But that that was a good bio. But thank you so much, Warren. I'm so honored to have you on the show because you have done so many great things in music, Mm -hmm. um, from from top to bottom. And the fact that you would take even just a few minutes of your time to to come talk to us means a lot because I've been very dedicated to allowing people to share their stories um and and having the space to do so because a lot of times you know especially people behind the music right not the actual artists you know um oftentimes don't get the credit you know that's due or even people sometimes don't even know their name you know for for years or if ever you know at all so i feel it's important on this season of support the dope radio that we're focusing on the people um that make some of these artists who they are and what we like about them, and our favorite songs we'd be rocking out to, and we don't know that there was someone behind that that you know made that happen, oh. so definitely needed Warren Campbell, baby dub on a show <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, Yes. let's um, I know we don't have. You know, the time that we would need to talk about everything. So I'm like, my gosh, where do we want to start?
1: Whatever you want to do, let's do it. Whatever you want to do.
0: Okay. Well, let's go back to the beginning because um, you have had, let me tell you, the primary reason I was really interested in having you or someone like you on the show is because your credits run from death row records mm. to my block. And, you know, if anybody knows anything about death row records or my block, you know, that's quite a contrast like day yeah. and night. Yeah. But you, you've you done everything from, from those two to in between um, and well, and not everybody can say that they can do that. And not everybody is able to do that without being put into a box and saying like, wow. this is you know, this is your category. This is your lane. This is where you stay. You yeah. know, how dare you try to do <laughs> something else, yeah. you know, outside of that. Um, so it I would have to imagine that it started early for you as far as to um, your ability to kind of appreciate music being music and not necessarily tied to a particular category or genre. Um, Yeah.
1: My, my, particularly my my father who um, didn't grow up in church. Mm -hmm. My mother did and my father did. My father uh, was a preacher and but he didn't start uh you know coming to church or being around church till so he was you know maybe 20 years old or so mm-hmm. and uh by that time you, you know he had a lot of different influences and music that he liked and so as his kids growing up i didn't have the, the preacher father that said you can't listen to secular music a lot of my friends they couldn't listen to it don't they had to sneak and all this kind of stuff he didn't necessarily like the the music that, that I that I like, like the um NWA and all that kind of stuff. He wasn't really with all that. But uh anything else, he was like, Man, it's it's really cool. It's really cool that you can listen to all kind of different music, uh, jazz. And he introduced me to some of that stuff, you know, and then when it came to hip hop, every once in a while he'll like throw on some Will Smith just to you know, because he didn't want me to listen to NWA, but he I could listen to Will. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that was his way of meeting in the middle? <laughs> Maybe familiar, yeah. so if I listen to yeah. the J.W.A., I had to do it by myself somewhere. But like, yeah, it, it was because of that influence. My dad is the one who, you know, introduced me to a lot of music.
0: Yeah, yeah, I heard you say on because um, I'm a fan of R and B Money podcast, like you know everybody oh, else. Yeah. Um, like this
1: Jay Valentine. <laughs>
0: Yeah, this ain't that. But shout out to Tank and Jay Valentine because yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I am a fan. I think they know by now I'm a fan. And uh, if, if y'all want to slide through, please, by all means, slide through support the dope radio. Um, yeah. But I did check out your interview on there, of course. And and one of the things that you said, you know, about your father is not confusing like your occupation, um, like
1: yeah, my how, how
0: did, Yeah, with your salvation. Well, the way um, he said
1: it was, don't let your occupation run all over your salvation Mm. standards and one has to be more important than the other yeah so i was like okay I, i get that i get that
0: okay so for you um because i know that there's pretty much you haven't met an instrument you don't like is from from what I understand, you play all kinds yeah. of instruments. <laughs> and where did where does that start for you? I mean, outside of like the musical influences, as far as the what you couldn't couldn't listen to in your house, where does your journey begin with
1: instruments? So I started at two years old. Mm. I was the drummer at two, I, I, and my parents would give me little paper drum sets, little toy drum sets, and I tear them up because I was actually playing. And then uh I started playing the drums for my church at three. Uh wow. and for my fifth birthday, uh as a birthday present, my parents finally bought me an actual real drum set. So from the time I was five on, I was playing, you know, I had little gigs. I played as a, you know, five, six, seven years old. I played at a church on Sunday nights, you know, and I played at our church. Yeah. Uh by the time I was six, uh actually somewhere four or five my father started playing the bass he brought a bass guitar home and they and then he bought another one it was two bass guitars and they were identical they looked the same uh they were different in electronic but they kind of looked the same and i told the babysitter i wasn't supposed to touch the bass by the way you know what it was like don't touch that you know it's very expensive but right. while my parents were away i would tell the babysitter oh that bass right there is my dad's that one's mine And I would plug it up and play it and then, you know, have it all put back together by the time my dad came home.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And one day I was in my room playing. My dad came home and I heard the babysitter say, you know what? Little Warren is getting good on that guitar. And my dad said, what guitar? She was like, "His guitar. And she pointed. All I heard was, Warren, get out of here. Right. Oh, and I got it. It sounds like the Tito Jackson story almost. You know, I didn't break anything. I just, I wasn't supposed to touch it. And I was like, dad, I can play it. So I put he was like, play it. And I played and my dad he started crying. He couldn't figure out how I learned how to play it. Wow. Like, he didn't know I was when he would practice, I would sit there and watch him for like hours. So that from that I realized that if I watched the mechanics happen in front of me, physically, somebody physically play an instrument, I could mimic yeah. that.
0: So you're you're I, physically watching like fingers. Finger, like his his Hands
1: and okay, that's how that works. And then I had this hypersensitive ear. As a kid, I can hear anything. Bass lines, like, oh, okay, I figured it out. And so from there, I started playing keys at nine. Once I started playing piano, my dad was like, "Uh, yeah, you're gonna play piano now. He took my drumsticks away, no more bass. He said, because if you learn how to play the piano, you master the, the, how that works, then you can play in- any instrument from the basis of the piano, so I learned piano but still to this day if you somebody asks me like what my instrument is I'm gonna say I'm a bass player. Hmm. Although I think I played the piano the best out of all the instruments and in my mind I'm, a, I'm always I'm always say I'm a bass player. Yeah.
0: That's
1: what so i, think that, I love. okay that that's your
0: that's your meat and potatoes of your musicianship.
1: Yeah okay. like, if somebody if somebody like says oh sit in with the band I'm You're gonna pick not, up a bass. Yeah, I'm gonna pick up the bass. Yeah. Even though I would, I would get on the piano and play, and play whatever I want to, but I'm gonna, you know, I'm always wanna play the bass first. Yeah. Yeah. But
0: well, one thing I've always um, admired about musicians are, are the ones that can play by ear because I was never taught to play by ear. I can only read music. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I can't just go hop in, sit in on a jam session or, you know, a cypher I can none of that I need uh, like the street music or we or I'm throwing everybody off because I don't yeah. know what I'm doing um, but how going from instrument to instrument how how different is your skill set do you feel like to be able to you know play it like play a bass and then put it down and go sit on the piano and just like switch gears like it's
1: yeah well <laughs> what happened was after I Got the piano, you know, got my grasp on that and got kind of control of my my instrument on the piano. Um, from that, my dad was right. Anything I picked up, I could play. I see in my mind, piano keys. Even when I'm playing bass, when I'm playing guitar. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I see the piano some kind of way. Uh, no matter if I'm playing the horns, I play harmonica over here. I, I see the piano keys in my head. So I'm never lost. Yeah. I mean i don't get caught up in the dynamics where the instrument is because there's only 12 notes right in the world you know it's just you know putting those different notes arranged for you know different ways and different instruments have different ranges and different keys you, know, you have b-flat instruments d-flat instruments e-flat instruments you know and you gotta you know you learn all those things and you realize it's really based on these 12 notes for the last mm-hmm. six hundred years you know that, and that's- right <laughs> And uh, That's so it. I, I, I take my I take pride in understanding that and theory, and I do I do read and you know just look, I'm I'm writing now. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. I say I'm writing music, you know, uh, just to keep myself sharp. So I just appreciate yeah. all all things about instruments. So mm-hmm. you know, I to answer your question, I really don't differentiate. It's twelve notes. Mm. I just happen to have a different something in my hand. So in essence, i become the instrument. Sometimes uh-huh. mm-hmm. I just have to have a guitar in my hand or I happen to have a saxophone or a harmonica or a keyboard or a bass, you know, but it's really the 12 notes that I'm configuring different ways in my head, you know, so I don't, you know, I don't look at it like, oh, that's a different instrument. That's just another thing I can make some sound with, I can express myself with.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about your approach to production. Um, I know you talked about, you know, like Quincy Jones before and, and, and his, you know, um, being an actual producer and not just like a, a beat maker and no, no, to beat make, makers, we need y'all to, um, but understanding what that process mm-hmm. is of being a producer from, from A to Z or from start to finish, um, how, you know, what is your approach when you are getting ready to, I guess, start a new song or a new project uh, what's your very f- foremost thoughts? Are you approaching it from, you know, a melody that you already have in mind? Is it um, a vibe that you're looking for or a specific genre? Like what's your approach when you're starting a new production project?
1: You know, the answer to, to that question really depends on what the task is at hand, what what the job is. So, mm-hmm. If I'm, say, for instance, working with an artist, particularly an artist that I haven't worked with before, it doesn't start with melodies or anything like that. It starts with a conversation. Okay. You know, what do you like? Not even musically, like, who are you kind of thing? You know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. And we'll
1: get to music in you know, an hour or so after we have this conversation. Uh, but if there's a particular sound people are going for, some, pod- some people come in and say, I want a song like this and they play me something. I said, okay, okay, and I, I'll figure out, you know, why, they, why do you want it to sound like that? Do you want me to copy this? Or do you want to get the feeling that this gives you? So, because I can give you this feeling mm-hmm. without copying this, and I'd rather do that. Yeah. So from from that, I'll say, okay, normally that's either in rhythm or in melody, or it could be something lyrically that said that shocks them, that makes them feel like, you know, so it depends on what it is. Sometimes I'm going for a phrase. So mm-hmm. I sit there and think of a phrase. What can we say? Without any lyric, without I me, mean, without any melody or beat, just like, oh, I want to say this phrase. Ba-ba-da-ba-da. Yeah, 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 yeah. Da-da-da-ba-da. And then I'll put that down to a click track and I'll start recording around. I hear the bass line, drums, you know. Or sometimes I have a drum beat in my head all day in my head it's all i hear i mean no, no matter what conversation i have what i hear whatever it is right i got to get home and i i go straight and do that and then go around it. sometimes it's a baseline sometimes it's some chords or melody i hear so it, it always depends on what it is you know mm-hmm. and it really is different every day the other day I i um i don't drink soda at all very often and I kept ordering this food from this uh, Mexican restaurant, and they would send these bottles of what we call Mexican Coke, because okay. it's different than American Coke. American Coke has high fructose corn syrup in it. The Mexican right. Coke does not. It's just cane sugar. And so hmm. I drunk three of them, right? And I kept them in my head of my bedroom. I put a little water in both of them on all three of the things I was blowing into the bottles. <laughs> that was hitting the bottles. Like, oh, they have different tones. Huh. And so it, it, I just started this idea with those the other day, you know, just playing with whatever that was, and built this whole thing around it. So it, was, it could be, it could be anything.
0: Yeah, that's what's up. Yeah. So I I heard you say when it when it comes to songwriting for you, that God writes it. Mm-hmm. Um, I well, let me reverse. Let me go back to the production first, because there's not and there really isn't a sound like a Warren Campbell sound. There's not like I songs that come on. I can't be like, that's Warren Campbell. Um, Or, you know, you you don't have like a producer tag that comes on, you know, at the beginning, you know, where everyone knows (laughs) it's not. Um, But what I do notice is the feel that Warren Campbell songs give Um, because they're always songs that make me feel good. Mm. Um even at like even if we go to like a Kanye West jail.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Um going to jail isn't a good feeling, right? Like like no. content wise. But the feel the song gives is is uh it gets you hype. It gets you yeah. like kind of like a ready for anything type, like let's go, we about mm. to do whatever this is, you know, yeah. we're here now, so we're gonna do it. Um where does that come from? Because I you know, beyond having a sound like some production teams have, or some producers have um, getting to a place where you just constantly put out something that just makes people feel a certain kind of way. Where does that come from?
1: It comes from me being a cat. You ever try to put a cat in a box? Hmm. He is not going to let you get get him in that box. He's, that cat is going to go. He's going to tear you up. Right. He's not going to let you get it. And, and all the genres of music I love, all, playing all the different instruments. different instruments. Um, I think all that has been the tra- trajectory or they've been the catalyst for how I am as an artist. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, 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 this week it's all samples and chopping up joints and hip hop. The next week I'm just doing nothing but classical pieces. Next week I'm doing I'm composing jazz stuff you know then i'm composing some choir stuff then i'm doing some r b straight you know you know then i'm doing some west coast hip-hop or some east coast then i'm doing some trap music it's all and i want to do everything I, I i told my publicist years ago 20 years ago she said who do you want to be like known as i said i want to be known as the most prolific producer Hmm which I can go into any genre and work. This is why when I was at Electra Records as a vice president of a and I did not take a Black title. I yeah. wasn't the, was the vice president of Urban, which means I got to sit in the room when they were making the Stained and the Metallica albums. And they were mm-hmm. signing Jason Mraz. And, you know, I'm at the club when we go see Jet perform because we're thinking about signing them. You know, that kind of thing. I wanted to be involved in all of it because clearly music is music to me, you know? So while I may not have a sound, like, you know, you hear Timbaland come on, that's Timbaland, you know it. Right. You know it's for real. You know it's Dre. You know it's Rodney Jordan. Yep. You no, know, my thing is, I, I'm i a tailor. It's different. I'm, a mm. ta- I'm going to tailor make this music to you. And when we get done with it, I'm going to break the mold. It's only for you, which makes it special because now, If you want that sound again, you got to come back to me. Right. Because i made it for you, and can't nobody else do this. Yeah. That's how I always thought. So, you know, while people keep asking me for years, can you give us another Shackles? No, I can't. A lot of times I say it this way. I'm like, I didn't write that song. God wrote that song. I just took dictation. Hmm. It was a download. It was just, you know, I can't do another He Is for you Mm because... That's a download. Like God gave me that for Brandy. I can't recreate that on anybody else. Yeah. But I'm a tailor, so I can tailor something for you that's gonna be just as dope. It's gonna feel just as great and it'll be yours. And that's and that's kind of what it is for me. You know, I'm just, if there's anything about my sound that's familiar is probably quality. You know, mm-hmm. I'm gonna make sure that whatever I'm doing is of the highest quality, even if I'm trying to get something that's more lo fi and dirty sounding, it's going to be the best dirty sound. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's, that's. I think that's more, but in terms of like pigeonholing and jumping around the genre, the genre, the genre, the genre, I, that's my thing. I will, I will blend 17 genres if I can in one song. You know, if you just yeah. listen to Mary Mary albums, all of those things are all over the place. That's true. Stuff, you know, but. Yeah, that's true. That's just kind
0: of who I am. Okay. Yeah. And it, and it's funny. Um, I'm, I made the connection listening to you. So I don't know if you remember, but back in 2020, we had a discussion panel called blackout urban. Yeah. And, and it was about, you know, the use of the word urban in the music industry, um, and in the direction we thought that it might be going. And if it was going to be beneficial to remove that word altogether and, um, you you agreed to do the panel and I kind of, when I asked, I kind of didn't, I didn't know if you were gonna really do the panel. I was I was just, <laughs> I was just shooting my shot. I was like, well, we need to have one. Let's just see, let's just see, let's, do, let's just try. And you agreed to do it and I was just like, hey, okay, well, I'm definitely not gonna, you know, go backwards now, he said he's gonna do it. You know, but I never did quite, you know, until the discussion itself, you know, realized how important that was to you. Yeah. Um, and I heard you make a reference to, to Quincy being the same way,
1: yeah. you know, um, yeah. when it came that's to I that. where I got the idea from uh, yeah. reading his bio that when he went to Mercury, he was like, he didn't do black titles. That's why, you know, one of his biggest hits is Leslie Gore, it's my party. huh? You know, people don't know Quincy Jones, it. it's my party and I can cry if I want to. It was like, that's Quincy Jones. Yeah. <laughs> that's t- crazy. he was a title, he'd never be able to touch that.
0: Yeah. I didn't know that either.
1: Yeah. News to me. Yeah, shout
0: out to Quincy Jones. Like, living legend. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like people that know, people that really know, always credit Quincy Jones. I always hear everyone credit Quincy Jones.
1: In terms of producing, he is the consummate and I think one of the only real North Stars Mm. in production because of the genres the quality, mm-hmm. the, the commercial hits, and the versatility, bar none from jazz to classical. He's done some hip hop a little bit with Back on the Block. You know, he's dabbled in that film scoring. Some of the coldest film scores you ever want to hear from The Pawnbroker to The Heat of the Night to Just the Whiz, you know what I mean? To Color Purple. It's all crazy. That's his scoring. He's he. He sits down with this paper and says, uh-huh. okay, me... and says, okay, here, everybody play that. You, you know, to, to understand and learn how to write music for an orchestra from piccolos down to double basses, it's not easy. It takes a genius mind to do that and somebody who's very, very disciplined to do something like that. And he studied for years and years. I mean, I, I did my own study. I studied a lot to learn how to do this, and I'm nowhere near good like that. I'm, I'm, okay, I'm okay. You element Arranging and stuff like that. I'm okay at it. I gotcha. But this guy, he's a North star. So I think in, in everybody who aspires to do music, I say this all the time, everybody's music in their head sounds amazing. Right. Oh, it's, it's a masterpiece in your head. Right. Right. But everybody's not skilled in making what's in your head come out of the speakers. The way you mm-hmm. hear it, you know I mean, and that mm-hmm. takes the skill of a Quincy Jones. It's funny I'll, over my shoulder, if you can see. There's a picture of me talking to Quincy Jones, right, right behind. Oh, is it? yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what's up. I'll, I'll meet him one day. He's on my list.
1: Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know him well. I just happened to catch him one day at a uh-huh. after a party. We sat there and talked for two hours. Wow. So, somebody took a picture of it. and gave it to me. Yeah.
0: That's dope. So how does how does someone like Warren Campbell, um, who out of Watts, California, um end up <laughs> ends up at a label like Death Row, um, mm-hmm. but never really gets lost in like the death row culture mm-hmm. that at least that we know it to be. I mean, of course I'm sure there's a lot that went on that that people on the outside didn't know um and then there, yeah. there's probably some some misconceptions too some stuff we we think it was the way it was and it wasn't
1: there's tons of misconceptions um, about death row but yeah. first of all i ended up at, at death row because my mentor when i was 17 i met a guy i had a friend of mine who uh i have a friend who i grew up with his name is dj rogers jr um his father was this big soul singer named dj rogers senior you know he passed mm-hmm. away a few years ago, um, and our families were really close and so me and dj grew up together DJ was this, he still is this super charismatic guy who knows everybody. Everybody knows him. Mm-hmm. And we would hook up periodically. And he'd be like, man, come to me to, to this thing. It's going to be so-and-so is going to be there. And then he would talk to everybody. I was very shy. I didn't talk to anybody. He said, man, my friend Warren, he's he's the best piano player in the country. He's And I'm 16, 17. And I'm like, man, stop playing that. All right. <laughs> One day he said, man, um, we were working on a song together. He's a singer and a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And he said, man, this is good, but I want to get DJ Quick to do the drums. I said, What do you mean, DJ Quick? How you gonna do that? He said, man, it's like my brother, man. We cool. I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. <laughs> so the next day we get in, we drive this long, take this long trip out to the suburbs, and we knock on this guy's door, come to the door. It's DJ Quick. And I'm like, I can't believe because I at the yeah. time I'm a huge quick fan you know his music was like gosh you know there was we had dr dre right off all that time but when I, when I discovered quick i was like man it's a it's a whole nother level you know what i mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we met hit it off and quick invited me to um, play keys on his album that he was working on at the time it was called safe and sound i played keys on a few of the songs arranged some strings you know it was really cool and he just started mentoring me he was being managed at the time by Suge Knight. Okay. So we're going to mm-hmm. move studios now. We're going to go up to the Death, Ro- Death Rise, a new studio. We're going to go up there and set up shop there. So mm-hmm. we got up there, and it was just like a musical Disneyland for a guy like me. You know, I yeah. thought I was going to see Dr. Dre. I never saw him. Dre was at his house working. He never came uh, to the studio. One time he came in and poked his head and said, what's up to everybody and left. Other than that. But- that was it. <laughs> But Snoop, uh, Daz, Tupac, mm-hmm. all those guys were there. It was a, it was, I was a kid in the candy store, and, you know, there was a lot of misconceptions um, because you got a bunch of guys from from the neighborhood, you know what I mean? We, we're all musicians and rappers, and some of them, are, some people ain't nothing. They're just there hanging. You know? Right, right. But it was a bunch of young guys. Mm-hmm. About, and, you know, if you ever hung on... Any ghetto, any hood, and you see a bunch of guys outside playing around. There's a lot of horse playing, playing football, slap boxing. And, Mm -hmm. you know, just, we just wild guys. So if you're on the outside coming in and and watching that, if you didn't understand the culture, you would think it was a hostile environment, but it was not at all. Not to me, Mm -hmm. you know, we play games. Like I told somebody about this. We had this thing called the sleeper hold game where there's a long hallway between the studios, two studios. Somebody uh-huh. if you're walking in that hallway, somebody might jump out of the bathroom or out of the closet and put you in a sleeper hole. And <laughs> you. then they would take out a Polaroid camera and take pictures of you and put them up all over the studio. So when you woke up, you would just picture you knocked out, like you know, nope, drooling. Yeah, so, and it was funny, it was really funny to us, like you know, right. And so I remember there was a guy who was um following Suge Knight. I think it was a Rolling Stone interview or a Billboard interview or something like that. And he was you know, this white guy. It was kind of just, you know, had a little thing and was recording stuff. And like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. he's doing an interview on me, this guy. But we, you know, we clown it. Everybody's playing. It's loud, you know, running back and forth. It's just, you know. And I remember reading that interview and, and them saying how violent the environment was and crazy. I was like, what? It's like we talking not, about the same I, place? Yeah, yeah, it's not like mm-hmm. shook Man was probably one of the nicest cats I ever met and generous, super generous.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I guess until you crossed him, you know, and and <laughs> then, of course, then y'all had some. But I never had a reason to cross him for what? Like you know, I, I didn't have that. Most, and most of the people that were there, it was no issue. We heard things. You yeah, know, I heard. Somebody so walk.
0: so he's he's not like the intimidating
1: presence no. that like people typically try to I guess present him as being no he was, um, I think I think his his persona got so big it was bigger than him so when he walked in the room you know one he's has to duck to come in the, the, the doorway and come in sideways because he was so big you know so that <laughs> right there is kind of like man but he soft spoken kept kind of, hey man what's going on he wasn't really like he was just listen I, what you want to do I want to help you you want to do this I, I got your back you know it, it was just that kind of cat. I mean, but I'm like, again, like, I guess when people would cross them and, and do certain things, you know, then, then you would get what you get. You know what I mean? He, but, did, he did what he had to do. Yeah, I, his I, business. I, He protected his people. And, you know, I'm sure it was a bunch of craziness going on that I, I wasn't aware of, but I was there every day for three years. Yeah. And didn't see much of anything. I mean, I would hear so-and-so got pissed with, but I wouldn't see it, you know, right. like a, a story that I heard, you know, uh, other than that, it was a lot of you know, a lot of young kids clowning around, man. But it was so much fun. It was like one of the we would do a song on Friday, and by that next Wednesday, we'd we'll be in heavy rotation all over the country. That's how powerful Defro was, right? And
0: so, so I, what, what? Your that, time at your time there, did you ever kind of see for yourself a my block like in your future, like with
1: yeah. you did? Yeah. A, a lot of my lessons which is you know in terms of business stuff i learned a lot what not to do mm-hmm. you know uh because although there was a big crew sometimes some people you know took that a little too far and they should have been checked and so you go certain places and some guys in the crew were wild and acting crazy but it wasn't the main principal guys they was like hey man y'all chill so just controlling how many people come with you, how many, you know, okay, so-and-so can't come. That He got to stay home because he's too rowdy or, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. But then also just the family, the family vibe. That's why I call it the Moblock family. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and I don't sign anybody who I, who I don't consider as somebody who can be a part of this family who would get along with other people, you know what I mean? Other people in the family. And, you know, that's the reason why we do shows together All right. You know, mm-hmm. because I want to present that. You know, Death Row did a good job of doing that. So did Bad Boy. So did yeah. so, so Death.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: but it all stems from the the Godfather of that thing, which is Motown and Barry Gordy. It was the Motown yeah. family. You know what I mean? Right, right. So that's where we get that from.
0: So, how do you transition? Like when you when you leave somewhere like like Death Row, um, and you make the transition into something like a Shackles. Um, how do you make that transition or I guess my question is, did you experience any kind of like backlash as far as to okay, but he was just with Sug and him, you know, and now oh, you talk yeah. about God. I
1: like I did. What was that like for you? Uh before I got to Shackles and Mary Mary, I was trying to uh send records to I want I, I wanted to do some gospels. I sent stuff to Yolanda Adams label at the time before she was at Electra, I sent stuff to Fred Hammond's label and it was like yeah he's that that the death row guy like well we don't know about that mm-hmm. and so i i tried them several occasions and then when i got with electra then yolanda came on and they you know made me her AR. and then uh, also karen clark's a so the heavens are telling album with karen clark that's i and r that project oh. but, and a couple other ones but like yeah it's it took a minute you know what i mean so what i did was i said well, I gospel thing so i did that i signed mary mary and it went well and then people start calling me for gospel after that but before that it was like uh, we don't know about that guy that's like he's a secular and yeah. i mean to their defense you know you're talking about a young guy who's never done a gospel project before my first gospel project I ever did was mary mary yeah so you know I can understand. Uh,
0: and, I, and I heard you say, like, you, you didn't really necessarily know how to make a gospel, quote unquote, yeah.
1: song. Um, not a, so how? Not an album. Like, I, I'd never worked with choirs before. Yeah. Or, so I just did what I do. And then I said, you know what? I'll do what I do musically. And in my opinion, gospel was the message in the the lyric, not necessarily the music. So I'm gonna I had, I was at the time starting Mary Mary, I was fresh off of working on Drew Hill, the second mm. Drew Hill album. We did How Deep Did you mm. Love and a bunch that album sold two million records? I was fresh off of that. I said I'm gonna do what I was doing with Drew Hill and a couple of other things I was doing. I just do that on this. And mm. you know, because I'm not gonna try to change what I do and all of a sudden make churchy sound of music. Cause right. I know I'm a fail, I'm a fail doing it. I'm just gonna do what I do, do me. And they, they from, I'm from South Central LA, they're from Inglewood. We, it's like we can find two big hoods and put them together, <laughs> you know, because that's the way they were too. They, it wasn't like we were trying to make this, you know, mm-hmm. uh, urban sound and hip hop tinged music. It was just what naturally, what you knew. Modernized. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was very, yeah. very natural and easy. That's why you can, you know, that, that 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 is where the consistency of their music comes from because it's not like we're trying to do this, this is what we do as our chemistry was that.
0: Right. right. Like if we
1: got we haven't if we get together tomorrow, it's gonna be that.
0: hmm So um, I know that you know you are kind of on a schedule. I want to be respectful of your time. Um but if you have a few minutes or so, what is the future of good. Okay, good. What what is the what does the future look like for Warren Campbell? Um I guess since now that I know we have a little more time, I wanna ask, uh, who is it that you've seen um that you haven't worked with yet that you feel like you still wanna work with? Because, you know, you seem to be like an open book as far as the genre or type of song or, or artists, like is there anyone out there that you feel like you haven't worked with yet that you
1: that's on your radar? a few people like, but you know, um i'm not into working on somebody's project to do a song or two that's not necessarily like my so you know the reason why you don't see me on a lot of things that you would think like oh one would be on a mary j album or a beyonce album i'm like yeah i'm not really into doing one song like yeah come to me when you say okay let's do an album together
0: you want the body of work
1: yeah Cause I know yeah. that I can rock. Doing one song on you is not gonna satisfy my appetite. You know, it's cool. It's a check. It's a, whatever it is. I don't care about that. Like I'm good. I wanna make a statement. Like if I get mm-hmm. an opportunity to do an entire album on a Mary J, do you know that thing is gonna be uh, I'm here uh, for it. A whole album worn and and I don't know, Usher. Mm-hmm. it's just us together you know yeah would, crazy yeah i would kill that but you know sometimes you have to create those opportunities for yourself so that's why my block you know has been sustaining me because i get to do that on my artists like i can do that on lena Burt miles mm-hmm. i can do that on mary mary or whoever else we have you know the walls group yeah i can do my you know i can get that off you know what i mean yeah uh, and I don't have to worry about working on so-and-so's album because I got my own stuff. You know, you never heard Barry Gordy, you know, talking about I'm going to work on Aretha Franklin. She wasn't signing him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I got to right. worry about Diana Ross.
0: Yeah. So you know I'm saying? Yeah, so, that's a good yeah, point.
1: There, there are some artists out there that, you know, that I may never work with just mm-hmm. for that reason because politics are yeah. involved and you just can't get in there to get, you can't get them to sit down for three months and say, Let's do this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I wish that was the case. But you know, maybe one of these days one of those artists would be like, hey man, let's let's lock in. Let's do it. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm gonna be an advocate. Okay. I'm gonna be out here talking to people. On, <laughs> this is this is who you need to work with. Okay. We need a whole yeah. album. We need doing a good song or two. We need we need the whole thing. We do. No, <laughs> let's start putting the word out. <laughs> uh, but speaking of the walls group, because <laughs> they're crazy right now going crazy um yeah. even even just on social media they going crazy because the videos of just them you know together just the siblings sitting around singing um yeah. you know was, was going viral um what is it like um having a group of them like each one of them is so um incredibly talented but so uniquely talented because while they sing together you know as a unit um, individually, they can each hold their own. Is that is that like a
1: Disneyland for for you? Yeah, that and that yeah. was the appeal for me. Uh, I mean, I've always loved the Walls group. When I first met them, I was like, I want to work with these kids. But you know, uh, they were signed to another label. Mm-hmm. And so I went to Kirk Franklin and one day. I said, listen, I don't know what you got going on with these kids. <laughs> but the moment you're not working with them more, I'm signing them. I'm, I'm, I got I'm, next. I'm telling you. I'm telling you and yeah. so he, he did allow me to work on their album, the last album that they had with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was called The Other Side. Mm-hmm. And so I produced that entire album, right? And so that right there was like, man, when that experience was so crazy because not only do they hold their own, they're, they're their own creatives. Like Aja is a crazy writer, Paco and Daryl. They just, you know, and then... Ray is just a she's just a superstar on her own. She walks, mm-hmm. Ray walks in the room, and you go like, like, oh, yeah, who's that? Who's that? She can have on sweats and a a hoodie with a hat on. You are gonna go like, oh, who's that? It's just she has that energy. So, yeah, um, it's not just about what I was bringing to the table. It's about what they were bringing. They were had all these ideas. Daryl had all these songs, and Paco had all these ideas, and Aja they just and I said, man, I got to work with them again. So when I found out they were no longer with um Kirk's label, I can't even think of the name right now, but like For, for Your yourself, Soul. For yourself.
0: Yeah.
1: Our RCA, he was with I was like, yo, I gotta I hit him, I like, yo, can we do this? And they said Yeah, I said the concept was listen, you know, you guys are four stars. You know what I'm saying? It's not like Michael Jackson and the Jackson Five. It's like I got four right. Michaels in this group. Right. So I mean four walls. That's what I want to do. I want to do four album covers. I want yeah. to try to do songs, you know, we're going to do all script songs, but everybody going to have their own individual songs. And, you know, and uh, we started working on an album without doing that. Then Rhea came. She was like, are we still going to do our individual songs? She said, I want to do Agnes Day. I was like, okay. And she sung that song and that kicked it off with everybody doing their own, because I kind of had forgot about it. You know, we just started working, you know, we had all this mm-hmm. songs we to work on. And when she did that song, I was like, whoa i kicked it off and then here come aja aja came with the song i will i was like oh my god then paco came with a song called i get money that's mm. crazy that we ended up not using
0: mm-hmm.
1: so it was still it's still on the you know Paco's aja. a problem he's a beast and this song, mm-hmm. this song here, <laughs> i ended up not using it because it was taking too long to get the sample cleared so we did another song uh. and then I forgot after a while, we, so Paco's song got done, I have Rhea, I have Aja, and we're finishing up stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, Daryl, you ain't did a song yet. We're like, What's she going to do? He was like, oh, I think I'm going to do Human Nature. I was like, Human Nature, like Michael Jackson? He was like, yeah. He was like, I covered yeah. it one time before, but I want to do it again. So, And he did that. So Eric Dawkins was there with me, and they were working on vocals on another song, so I put the headphones on. We're in Houston working. And I just started making the human nature track. By the time mm-hmm. I that particular song they were working on. I said, "Okay, boom, here you go. Here's human nature." And they was like, "You finished?" I'm like, "I'm finished." Played on the track. I said, "Oh, this is it. Let's go." Daryl went in there, and knocked it out, and it came out really great. Yeah,
0: working with them has got to be a dream, because and it seems like they love. They love doing what they do together. You know how you see those groups that come on, and you can kind of tell there's some tension there, or some jealousy there, or you know, oh, there's yeah. that one person that can't wait to break out on their own. You know,
1: <laughs> I don't really see that with them. You know, I, I they, they definitely have their own individual things that they want to do and goals, yeah, individual yeah. goals. But I yeah. think even if you know siblings argue, siblings have disagreements, siblings do that. But when they get on of stage, course. I think all that melts away as soon as they hear each other singing together. It's mm-hmm. like, oh. Same thing. It's no different than when I, you know, I've been doing Mary Mary for 20 years, 20, almost 25 years. Yeah. And it happens where there's tension. They argue. But as soon as they get on that stage and they sing together, I've seen them have a big argument right before a show. Get on stage. And by the time they get to the can't give up now, they stop the show and hug and, and cry and say and, and uh, apologize and then keep going and keep going. Uh, I've seen them do that at least 20 times over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so it happens but yeah. it's something about that sibling, you know, sound. Like you realize that this guy has a part of my voice in his throat too. <laughs> right. That's you know a good way it? to look at it. And There's a bond that's unbreakable there. Yeah.
0: So what is the, what is it like for you? I know people say not to work with family or, you know, not to go into business with family. Um, and then especially, you know, when it comes to husband and wife, You know, Mm. how is it for you working with Erica and, and, um, you know, with Mary Mary? Yes. But even specifically like on Erica's solo projects, how's that dynamic, you know, for you guys working on things together like that?
1: I just think for us, we're so used to it but now. It's not necessarily because, you know, people ask us that all the time, you know, husband and wife, but we both love music. Mm -hmm. I love producing. She loves singing. So it's not a clash because I'm not trying to do what she does. Right, we're not trying to do what I do, mm-hmm. and we started doing this before we were married. Like Mary, Mary, success shackles. We weren't married then; we were dating. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, T- Teddy and Tina were married, but we weren't. So mm-hmm. uh, they we started doing that in ninety eight, ninety nine. The album comes out two thousand. We didn't get married till two thousand one in May. Uh-huh. So we were okay. well on our way in our mode of operation and how we worked and how we functioned together. It was. Kind of seamless. Um, of course, there's bumps in the road because you know times that I have to be a little more tough on on her, and then we got to go home. And now you know I gotta expect her to be nice as a wife. And she she's still feeling stung by whatever I said at the studio. You know what I mean? Uh, you have that. So, yeah, I mean um, I don't know if we're the, I don't know if we're the exception or the rule. We may be an anomaly. I don't know, but for us, it just kind of it just, kinda, it just I mean. Maybe it's just the grace of God. It really works out for us. Yeah. Well, it definitely work.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, Mm. Where do you feel like you as a producer individually are heading towards like future? Like what are are some things that you kind of have down um, your vision or your pipeline as far as what you have coming up?
1: Well, that word producer is expanding for me in terms of, you know, um, I'm starting to produce more uh, content outside of the original warehouse of music and doing shows and award shows and producing TV shows. And I'll be doing movies. I'll be doing a lot of that kind of stuff coming wow. up. Um, I, it started with our TV show, producing mm-hmm. those things that we realized, oh, I could produce... TV and film as well.
0: Is that coming back, by the way? Because people, after a lot of people say, "Is there going to be another season where the Campbells?" Is there going to be another season of that?
1: You know what? There may be. Okay. Even The kids, the kids, been asking about it. They, we did "Where the Campbells" for them. They asked because we were done with "Mary, Mary." We did six seasons of that show. Uh huh. And they said, "Can we do another show? Can we do just a show with us?" And I was, I said, "Nah, I don't, I don't, we're good." And they kept asking. And so my wife said, well, let's see if they want to do it. Like, you know, so I I called a friend of mine, DeAngela Proctor over at, she was at TV one at the time, pitched it to her over the phone. She bought it over the phone and, you know, shout out to DeAngela Proctor. She's, she's an amazing person who just had her directorial debut. She directed the Keisha Cole biopic for Lifetime. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, she's the one that greenlit that and, you know we were on in production like maybe three weeks later, you yeah. know, and so we're thinking about it again because it's been quite some time now. My oldest daughter she's in Atlanta in college, and so there's a lot of a mm-hmm. lot more dynamics they're older now, and that's just you know right, a lot different now, so I yeah. think I think it'll be a good time to come back and do another season
0: yeah well, i need I need another cameo, so let me know when- and <laughs> y'all Got in it. Atlanta. <laughs>
1: I'll be in the, the background, as as
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, because when that when the camera popped up at a PJ's concert, you know, for Joy, and it was funny so I, I was sitting there talking to um to PJ and and Joy, and all of a sudden this camera appears, this video, you know, camera appears, and I was like, I don't think because PJ <laughs> wasn't traveling with the with the videographer, he was only traveling with the photographer, so my head oh, yeah. I was just like, PJ increases his budget, like what? <laughs> this guy <laughs> gave this video and so i didn't know what it's for so, so slowly i just started backing out of the shot you know like like homer in All that right. gif back into bushes <laughs> <laughs> i'm like say less i'm just gonna back out of this shot real quick but that was, but that was my cameo and it was funny because i watched the show you know every episode it's one of my favorite shows Glad i love the campbells everybody knows i love the campbells and um, oh, but that particular night it aired i was getting off a plane and i had a you had your phone on airplane mode. When you turn it on, you get all your notifications start popping up, and I had a bunch of notifications from one of my cousins. Like, is that you on TV? That's you on TV? Is that you? You know, so I was like,
1: oh, Yeah.
0: I don't know. What are you talking? <laughs> what are you talking about? I I wasn't supposed to be on TV. I don't- and so then finally, I was just like, I was trying to think of what where I could have been. You know, like recently, where there uh, would have been like some cameras or something. So I'm not really backstage at anybody's concert, but PJ. So I was just like. What a PJ concert by chance, and she was just like, Yeah. And I started putting two and two together, and I was like, You're watching Where the Campbells. So I made, made sure I went home and saved that on the DVR. Um, but yeah, the Campbells as a family, you guys kind of um, really set a good example of what the family unit could operate as, you know, because we mm-hmm. see a lot of dis- dysfunction on TV, right? We have a lot of examples of, yeah. you know, what broken families look like or what, you know, arguments look like or what, you know, hating your siblings or your parents or whatever looks like. We don't have, really have too many examples of good, healthy, you know, family you know, relationships. Yeah. And, you know, so I that's mean, I, what I really appreciated uh, about the show.
1: I love it because it's like, God put me with the perfect person in terms Mm -hmm. of my wife, you know, because I come from a very, very strong family unit. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have 63 first cousins just on my mother's side.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah, we're strong. (laughs) Yeah. We're tight. Like, uh, about 16 of us, we function as brothers and sisters. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. we've all lived together at some point. Like, we, are very tight i'm the youngest boy second the youngest okay. boy but in in that click i'm the youngest boy because my mm-hmm. the one a cousin younger than me but he's he lives in another state so we you know we didn't grow up together but in front of all of us that grew up together i'm the youngest okay and they cover me i'm like you know the mascot you know what i mean they 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 support everything i do like the reason why you even know who i am a lot of times is because one of my cousins, like, I, you know, I got uh, my my cousin Joyce who's, who was managing me and she got me my publishing deal and she was producing a lot of videos for like uh, Hype Williams back in the day and Billy Woodruff and she was in the mix. And then I have another older cousin who uh, works with a lot. He's a manager and an A&R guy, you know, like, kind of like a boss in music. His name was Brian Prescott, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and these are my older cousins that, you know, were doing this before I was. And so that, and then my wife's family is super strong. Yeah. I mean, a lot of them. So you put all this together, it's just kind of like, man, it, it like just Like a big out. conglomerate. One big family. I'm trying to kind <laughs> yeah. of make sure that we were all kind of one thing, even at our wedding. at most weddings, you will see, you know, when you go and sit, or you here for the bride or the groom, you know, and you will sit on the bride mm-hmm. We had no we had family and friends so yeah. all our family sat on one side and then all our friends on the other uh we would do picnics and stuff the fourth of july we brought the family together we'll do movie nights but all the family you know we did stuff like that a lot uh preparing before we got married mm-hmm. you know and so i think now you know 22 years married now but you know the family is really strong and and, and it, it's good for our kids to see because they see this is what family's supposed to look like, you know, at right. least from our vantage point, point. and mm-hmm. uh, you know it, work, it works for us. Yeah, it really does.
0: I I will have to say I did finally have a chance to meet Erica. I met Erica and Google at um at Tiffany's wedding, Tiffany Freeman, um which oh yeah, um and so they were just as gracious and nice and sweet and you know. As you yeah. like, see them on TV. You know, like they were, they were like that. In part, I was like, they really are oh, nice. They
1: don't get no more real than the Mackins girl. They just, they are yeah. who they are. They're not putting on airs for nobody. They're, when you see them today, they're like that, wherever they go. Yeah, and that's what I really appreciate about my family. Mm-hmm. So,
0: so when you talk about the the producer title expanding for you, you know, you mentioned like some movies. So you have, you have some in the pipeline that you're working
1: on or is that just something that you? Oh, oh yeah. No, we, 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 got some things we're working on. Okay. Can't mention by name, yeah. but uh, there's gotcha. a bunch of stuff we have coming up, you know, and then we're going to be producing live shows and tours and award shows. I was able to produce my, my Bishop and my mentor, Bishop Kenneth C. Omer retired this year and he asked me to produce his retirement celebration. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to do it like a award show so okay. we had the voice at mc light doing the voiceovers yeah you know, we had presenters you know ll cool j and and don lewis and mm-hmm. we had uh, you know people coming in and sending videos in and people from td jakes to joel olstein and performances wow. by israel kirk franklin mary mary BB and Bibi and Erica Campbell hosted it the whole night you know it was Todd Delaney uh, uh, Beverly Crawford
0: my invitation got lost in the mail I, I know <laughs>
1: it's <could.
0: laughs> fine I
1: was try to get the guest <laughs> list, list <laughs> but you know there 5,000 people there uh, 3,000 online you know it was great that's a big event
0: yeah, shout out to Todd. I actually grew up in a church with Todd Delaney. Um, Get out of here. Chicago. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We wow. we grew up in Broadview Missionary Baptist Church in Broadview, Illinois. That's where we went. Our pastor wow, was cool. uh, Pastor C.W. Hobson. Um, definitely- yes. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So, what else can we look for um, music wise coming from you um, or anybody that you're working with?
1: September this september, september i don't know when this is going to air but september uh the 16th i believe yeah september 16th there's mm-hmm. an eric campbell album coming out mm-hmm. and i'm i'm really hyped about this let me see I'm, i gotta look at my calendar to make sure i'm saying the right yeah uh, this yeah, is probably
0: air august august 4th so it'll, it'll probably be ahead of that so
1: Wait, September
0: 15th I'm sorry the 15th mm-hmm. okay so, so we got 15th, we we put that on the calendar
1: Erica September the album, 15th the album's, called, uh, the album's called I Love You and features PJ Morton
0: yeah it's called PJ D,
1: D Smoke uh, Richard Smallwood uh, the Singers um, Stevie Wonder hmm. uh, is there anybody else I'm forgetting that's it, yeah. Uh, but that's a great album. She, yeah, she she nailed this album to the floor. It's crazy. So, yeah, look for that. Then also, um, we just signed from Chicago. Nineteen year old Carson Barnes.
0: Yeah, I saw and that. We're gonna
1: hit now he's phenomenal. He's a yeah. I don't know, man. God is really, you know favor me and just finding these artists these guys are aliens the walls groups there's not they're aliens they're an mm-hmm. an alien Bert miles is an alien you know <laughs> you yeah. do not i don't know where he was from this guy carson is just and you know, i couldn't be prouder of our group of artists man they just this this class you know and i do know artists don't stay with the same label forever but right now mm-hmm. the, the class of artists that we have right now i don't know what's gonna happen with the next class but this class they coming. Crazy. They come. Yeah. They're coming strong. We're looking for it. Um, Cali worship. Um Yeah.
0: I know you, you said you did. weren't gonna yeah, <laughs> you were gonna be at the at the Grammys this year because you were gonna be preaching
1: um uh, at church. Yeah. I said, man, listen, I just um you know, it's the first time it does happened that I didn't I didn't really care to be at the Grammys because I felt my assignment was a lot, you know, more, more time than not, I would shuffle things around. Mm-hmm. I'll bring in somebody else, but I was in a series at that moment and I was, you know, teaching something that at my, at my church that I thought was just important for me to continue. And I realized, man, God didn't call me to win Grammys, call me to win souls. Yeah. And so whether or not we win a Grammy or a stellar award or an American music award or a whatever it is, that ain't what I'm here for. And it's mm-hmm. nice. Don't get me wrong, I love it. I mean, we have you know, we've got several Grammys, but I, I Yeah,
0: say so how many do you have
1: now? with twenty seven? Uh, no, no. <laughs> we just won one last year for, for jail. We won for that song. That's uh-huh. the last one we won. Last twenty twenty two. Yeah. Um yeah, but yeah, I I I love it. But at the same time, it's what I do, it ain't who I am. Who I am first is a believer. Mm-hmm. And I have to, my sin do what God told me to do. If, if the, it, you know that's what it is. So it wasn't that I didn't care to go to the Grammys. You know, I, I wanted to be there. My wife was nominated. Well, as well, long as me. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it was one of them things where you know no, I have to be here today. I got to be at church. Yeah. I, I feel good about that.
0: Yeah. Um, speaking of like your your call, like your call to people, um, I have to ask because I'm from Chicago. I gotta ask you about your relationship with Kanye and oh. working with him and working with him on Donda. Um, cause you know, he's, he's taken a lot of heat. I mean, some people would say rightfully so, cause he, he out here, he says what he wants. Um,
1: yeah. he uh, does.
0: what kind of, um, what kind of responsibility do you think you have or or do you feel like you have any responsibility as far as to, being a,
1: a line of support for Kanye. You know, my, my responsibility with any relationship I have uh, is to be a friend. You know, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of times in the kingdom, we get our roles mixed up. Yeah. We want to judge. It's not mm-hmm. our role. God's to judge. Leaving the Bible because the the only one true judge. Mm-hmm. Then, we want to convict people right nope, that's the holy spirit's job that's not our job mm-hmm. our job is to be fruit inspectors we should know them by their fruit know those that labor among you and once you know that no matter what that fruit bears our job is to what love them that's it that's it that's all we got now only way love works is in tandem with truth can't love me and not tell me the truth you can't tell me the truth without love because to yeah. tell me that you love me you love me with no truth what you're actually doing is compromising me but if you're just giving me truth with no love that's now that's condemnation mm-hmm. you gotta have both so with Kanye you know if there's a moment where I have to speak the truth to him I have no problem doing it but I'm gonna do it because and he'll accept it I believe because he knows I got love for Kanye I love that dude <laughs> Uh, I don't think he has any. I don't think he would deny that. I mean, you know, there's there's no evidence of anything other 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 than you know me showing him love and being there to support him in whatever way he needs. You know, musically he might call me. He's been in my church, you know, Uh yeah. and just you know just just being there for him as a human being. You know, first, yeah, a lot of, th- a lot of times in 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 the kingdom we do weird stuff with people like him, stuff that Jesus uh-huh. wouldn't do. Yeah. Jesus was not mean spirited. Mm-hmm. He loved people. He got criti- criticized for eating with people who were sinners. So like he's eating with tax collectors and sinners. Like he's eating like that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah, we're supposed to hang with these guys. How do you think we're gonna rub off on them? Right. That's right. That's it. So, uh, but yeah, you know, I, I, he's a big influence on me because you know I'm. I can I can use some of his outspokenness at times. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I can use some of that. You know, yeah. and I'm sure he can use some of my decorum, but he 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 he's a genius. The guy knows what he's doing at all times. Even when it seems like he's being outspoken. And, doing and, he, crazy, knows he, a, and he knows what he wants. You know what he I, wants. Yeah. There's always a little plan he has going on in his mind. So I just, you know, he's the, the dude. I, I, I've worked with a lot of people. He's a genius. Yeah. And every sense of the word.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was. I went to um, got a last minute call when they were at Mercedes Benz here in Atlanta to do um, the Donda um, listening, you know, thing. And, oh, yeah. I, um, I was there. Are oh, you? See, I, I keep running into you, Campbells. See what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I got the call like the day before and like they, you know, it was kind of a real cryptic, you know, message show, show up at, you know, sudden, such at such, such time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was kind of like, okay, I don't know what I'm going to go do, but really it was, um, they were looking for, you know, dancers or, you know, like extras really like to be, to take part in his performance. But he was very particular, even though we were wearing like black sweats, black masks, He was very particular about what he wanted Till up until the time we were getting ready to enter the stadium like because we had we were there for some hours ahead of time, kind of like to, to wow. run through how they wanted everything to go through. We were there pretty much all day long. They just had us in the mm-hmm. building in the um, conference center next door. And when it was time, we they had us walk over to Mercedes Benz, and we were standing outside Mercedes Benz for a while. Before they let us in, then they let us in, and we stood out outside in, in the the hallway area for a while. But that entire time, from the time we got to Mercedes Benz to the time we we're entering the stadium, they had people, you know, with with phones, you know, talking to Kanye. And Kanye, he would he's like, no, have them take off those masks, put on these masks. You know, so we're switching things the last minute. He's like, no, tell them to pull. He, they're like, we we gotta take a picture for Kanye and send this to Kanye. And see if he if this is what he wants. And they would send him pictures and they would come back and they would say, No, Kanye said, take that off, put, put this on. So we, you know, to us, we're kind of like, OK, this is getting kind of crazy. But I have yeah, to, and, you and, know, say that that's attributed to him. He really just
1: can stick to what he wants. What he wants is what he wants. Listen, and, and I, that's I never, what, I went down there and never saw him. I was there. Uh, I was in one of the suites, in one of the boxes in the suites. Watching the show and everything because I went down to the bottom of where he was, uh-huh. and somebody stopped me. Like, hey, man, he's in a mood right now, and you don't have on black. I was like, I don't have on what? You don't have on black. I'm like, why would I have on black? You need to. We're all supposed to wear black. I'm like, no, I didn't. I just, I just came down to like, I just flew down here. Me and Charles Jenkins flew down there, and and, and you know, I said. Uh, well, I'll catch him after the show. I don't want to mess his mood up. So I went and watched the whole thing, but then I ended up leaving. Uh, I, I left maybe like the last song he was doing, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, I went, I went, got on the plane, went back home. Yeah, <laughs> that was that. But it was that was a crazy movie. night. It was, yeah. it was great. The fact that you can fill that whole arena up was crazy,
0: right? And it's on such short notice, you know, too. Yeah. Because um, from what I understand, a lot of people didn't know about it until, you know, a couple of days before,
1: at the most. Out for that, they showed up for that.
0: Um, but yeah, so moving on. Um, I've had you for quite some time. I don't want to hold you for too much longer. Um, but because my intention with Support the Dope Radio really is to give a platform, you know, for you guys to be able to share your own stories and, and in your own words. Um, is there anything that you feel like you want to get off your chest or share or say to inspire or want people to kind of remember you as like the floor is yours. Pretty much is where I'm going with this.
1: (laughs) Well, one, thank you for having me. Absolutely. You know, wouldn't have it um, any other way. I I always, you know, am honored when somebody asks to hear my story, you know, uh, somebody asked me the other day, I don't I don't know who it was. I was somewhere and it was like, man, do you know who you are? Mm-hmm. And the way they asked me the question made me feel like maybe I don't. Yeah. You've done this and you've done... And I think there is a big disparity between who we are and what we do. Yes. And, and mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we get caught up in what we do and we merge it with who we are and I think that's where we get messed up a lot. So I, I, I like to tell creatives, man, we are creative, but you need to have something about yourself that you just—I don't take myself that seriously. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I don't walk around saying I'm the legend, I'm a genius. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I hang around Steve Wonder a lot. Yeah. <laughs> he does not like people calling him genius and legend. Really? Like, get out of here. Because yeah. it sounds like you're dead already. You know, people talk that way. You know, but yeah. also, he's like, he's like, I'm a musician. I just and he what he what he did in 1975 and 76, writing songs, singing, making these incredible. You know, he's doing it right now, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like he never stop. Like you don't know whether Stevie wrote this song yesterday or in 1979. Like it's that good still. Yeah. And I think part of it is because he never loses himself in what he does. He knows who he is, and so I would tell any creative make: man, never lose who you are in what you do. Like who who you are is, especially if you're raised up in a in a home where your parents gave you your identity. Who are you? That's who you are. Don't let who what you do change you. You know what I mean? Because whatever you do, more than likely, you won't do it forever. But who you are. You have to be that person for the rest of your life. So, you know, be consistent with who you are because what you do may change. Yeah. That's what's up. That's all I have to say about that.
0: Well, that's some good good stuff to say. We will take that. (laughs) Yeah. um, But, you know... If there's anything that I could offer you, Warren, that would be that we appreciate you, um, you know, and all that you have done in, in its fullest of capacity from, you know, death row to my block, uh, oh. you know, from from Donda, you know, to, you know, the heavens are telling, you know, and, oh. you know, that's that low key. That's my favorite of our albums, actually. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I used to play that Thank all you. the time. Absolutely. Um, you know, but whatever I can do to support, you know, I know I'm a little I tell people I'm like, I just have this little corner of the universe that's, you know, mine or this this little small space on the internet for my podcast. You got influence, you got influence over there. You got influence. <laughs> yeah. So whatever I mean, whatever I can do that, you know, support, you know, beyond the podcast, please f- let me know.
1: Absolutely. Just thank you for yeah. having Carl.
0: Absolutely. Um I, I will definitely let you know when this is going to air. It'll it'll probably be August. Um, but okay. for those who want to um, follow you on social media, um, tell them where they can follow you at.
1: Any, anywhere you can spell my name is W-A-R-R-Y-N Campbell, C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L, Warren Campbell on all the social media platforms.
0: Absolutely. Make sure you guys do that. Make sure you stay tuned to support the dope radio. You can find us online at supportthedoperadio.com. Learn a little bit more about the podcast. Find out who's upcoming next. Um, things that you missed. Sign up for the email list so you can stay in tune with what's going on and other ways that you can stream the podcast. Because we're pretty much anywhere at this point where you listen to podcasts, you can find you can find support the dope radio. Um, and hopefully that's gonna expand, you know, over some time too. So make sure you stay tuned with us, keep it locked. Um, we'll be back with another episode, another great talented music maker creator enhancer all those things um, that are supporting the dope so make sure you guys keep it locked once again this is um, season 6 episode 2 with none other than Mr. Warren Campbell please please